and welcome to the latest edition of the Copcast podcast. Uh, my name is Dave Dunning. I'll be your host this evening on what would have been Bob Paisley's 100th birthday. So to commemorate that and also another win for the Reds, 4-3 against Crystal Palace, I have got Umara Naz over in London. Umara, how are you this evening? I'm good. Was that your 100th birthday? No, not my 100th oh, okay. birthday. <laughs> Okay. It might have been Dave's 100th birthday, but not mine. Possibly. Dave, was it your 100th birthday, Dave Karn out in Brazil? <laughs> no, a few, few, few years yet, Dave. Now, don't, don't have me dead and buried yet. But uh, hopefully whenever, when, when the big number comes up, I get special treatment like Bernard Sheridan. I think that was his name. Uh, the old fellow there got to meet Kenny Douglas and Klopp. So, you know, if, if you're looking to do anything from a 100th birthday, please hook me up. Plug me into some of that. That'll do. And if you even get, to, if we can even go as far as giving you your special treatment like Prince Philip when you get to that age. So, anyhow. Just don't sit behind the wheel of a car, though. Or stand in front of it, as was the case. Why not? Oh, Philip's doing a grand job. There. He's happily <laughs> exactly, wiping out everybody yeah. in Sandringham. <laughs> God. Oh, dear. <laughs> All right, then. I think there should be special road signings around there, you know. Elderly royals at work, you know. Oh, God, you know. What <laughs> Beware I mean, the you Land Rover driving royal. They're going to have to revise the theory test. New signs. No, they're going to, I just want to say, they're going to need to get some sort of new warning sign of an old <laughs> you, man you, with you a walk stick. That, that, that made news in Brazil. I kid you not. I kid it was headline surprised. news here for like flipping days as well. I'm not surprised. But anyway, back to the football, <laughs> shall we? All right, back to the football. So Crystal Palace, we expected a tight game, maybe, you know, 1-0, 2-0, something like that. Our outstanding defensive record, three goals conceded all season. And Crystal Palace, who don't concede a lot of goals either, maybe before that, the fourth best defensive record in the league. So... What else would the score be but 4-3 to Liverpool? So it was a, a strange sort of game. We very much dominated the first half, Dave. We were like, like we were in total control. How did we contrive to go into the break 1-0 down? And what changed in the second half? Mm. Dave, we spoke, you know, um, I think it was last night, about just, the, you know, the right-hand side of that defence. Joel Maddock coming back in again after after a break. But also coming in after not really a, a long run on the side or anything uh, prior to that. And you've Milner patching up then the rest of, uh, of the back four. Look, it looked for, uh, until they scored, you know, that, that a couple of chances that they did sort of get in behind us a couple of times. And that was more to do with Saha running at, uh, at Milner. The goal was well taken. It was well struck. And it came from nowhere. But there was a couple of warning signs there before. But as you say... At that moment in time, we were in total and utter control. They scored. Did, it, did you worry? There's not even a slightest bit of worry. You know that we're going to come back into it again. You really know that, you know, the worst, we're going to score one. But, you know, that, that, that first half, even when they did score, we still controlled the game. We, we never looked out of control. We never looked ragged. And, and, you know, the 4-3, if we look at the final score, you, you, you start looking and say, well, it must be a pretty ragged performance. It wasn't ragged, especially not in the first half. It was business as usual in, in, in so much as, you know, we, we looked all right. Um, we looked a threat. But as I say, it was bound to happen to us, Dave. Somewhere down the line, we're going to get hit with a sucker punch. Um, it had to come. We've seen Palace do it against City. You, you know, the first goal was really well taken. The second, as you rightly pointed out, um, it wasn't a magnificent header. The third was the third. Um, you know, there were 4-2 down at that stage. Game was pretty much in the bag. Nervy last few minutes. But 
it, it's a different kind of a win. It was a different type, type of performance. And, and honestly, I, I just look at it and go, this is a team that have come through a hellish November, a hellish December, and a hellish January of fixtures. It, it's noticeable that we're sitting with a nine-day break and we're almost... You know, we're we're, ha- we're happy as, as fans that we're getting a break from it. It's been coming at us intense, and I think just getting out of there and and you know getting away to Dubai for a few days, um, you know, some good news there as well coming along the lines of, you know, the Joe Gomez or Joe Gomez will be back soon. Also, it's out that the Oxel will receive before the end of the season. You know, there's been good things that have been uh, have been coming out, and I just think that when we come back after this break, it's just it's a sweet spot. It's the perfect spot for this break and and onwards and upwards. And I really think. This is our time of the season normally to, to, to kick on from February onwards. I, I'm looking at good things, Dave. I think it's a blip. I think it's one of those games. There's probably another one of those games in us um, before the end of the season. And we just have to take it for what it is. Well, if you're getting three points during a blip, I think you are you can't really question that too much. Exactly. Uh, we can quit. Look, the only thing you said to me last night, if that third goal doesn't go in, is there even half the hype around the media about the 4-3? No, there's not. The game was over. And when Manny scored, the game was over. Yeah, we had an uncomfortable few minutes, but the game was over. It was three points. Yeah, I agree. I think if if that finishes 4-2, I think the headlines are Liverpool survived scare as opposed to, oh, Palace ran them close, as it was kind of twisted into. And I think looking at the 90 minutes, I didn't really see that. But it was interesting. First half, we were dominant with, with 13 touches in the in the opposition box. Second half, we seemed to lose a bit of control, but with 26 touches in the opposition box. So no surprise that, you know, we went on and scored four goals in the second half with, with those sort of statistics. What I noticed, Umara, was when we did concede the first goal, the crowd rose and the crowd rose for the team. And based on what we saw then coming out in the second half, there's a clear and tangible mental resilience to this side um you know we we came back twice during that game and the confidence and self-assuredness of that team was really put to the test and it looks to me like that's that's another type of test passed on Saturday yeah I don't know what Klopp said to them at half time or we could imagine but it definitely worked because it's kind of a little bit reminiscent of the Arsenal game where we went behind and then scored two quick goals to to get back into it um not as kind of plain sailing after that as the Arsenal game, but still it was um, it pr- might be actually the kick up the backside we needed because we were we were going really smoothly with our defence. Maybe we just needed to be reminded that you know we can do this <laughs> every now and then. But you know obviously all's well that ends well and we outscored them so it was fine. But conceding three at home is is not a good good look, is it? But yeah, definitely it's brilliant to be able to come back like you said, twice first from the one goal and then from the equaliser. The equaliser, I don't know if you guys have seen, but they were saying it was a foul on Virgil van Dijk. I think, I can't remember who it was, was literally holding him so he couldn't jump up. Because it was very odd that no one jumped up for that header. And then when you look closely, I think there was some analysis showing that someone was actually hugging him, holding him um, down so he couldn't jump up. So that should have, shouldn't have stood anyway. So they, they went on, scored the goals that they needed to score. Yeah, we had a couple of penalty shouts. Well, not a couple, maybe one. The the Townsend handball that I think they scored a little bit after that, so that kind of changed the complexion. But other than that, yeah, it was a good show of something different from Liverpool, where we've we've kind of been winning. Um, I wouldn't say easily, but you know, we've been quite so solid at the back that we're quite sure that we're not going to concede that many goals. But 
it's good to know that we can still cope with it, even though we have conceded that many goals. The last one in the end, it, it was just so late that there wasn't really much time for us to worry anyway after the, they scored their third. It wasn't like the um, the City game last year where there was just a few there were a few more minutes left where they possibly could have equalised, but it, they they, were, they just ran out of time. But yeah, I can do without Palace interfering in the title race, to be honest. They can piss off for like here. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had quite enough of Crystal Palace over the years, yeah, haven't we? Exactly, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I did um, I did love that. I loved that handball. Um, that it was it was Townsend's handball and it was given yeah. as a free kick to them in their own penalty area. And it was it's something that you don't normally see. If something like that happens, you normally see the players run to the referee and surround him with their arms in the air screaming for injustice or whatever what our lads did is they did that but they ran they sprinted back into their positions they sprinted back over the halfway line as they were screaming and shouting at the referee with their arms in their air you know that just shows to me that there's an complete and utter um, buy-in to doing absolutely everything that they need to do and being 100% professional on the pitch because it's not professional to complain about something that you know fine rightly the referee isn't going to change his mind. It's not even logical to think that the referee's going to change his, his mind. So running towards him is never going to influence that. Complain if you want, but those guys just drop back into position, got their shape back, which I thought was outstanding. It reminds um, me of what Alison did uh, was it a couple of weeks ago or last month. I can't remember which team it was against where we literally um, were about to concede. And when he threw it out, I think it was Cardiff or... I, I think remember. it was... Yeah, and he didn't... He was he shouted at his teammates. He had like a half a second where he was, you know, ranting. And then he just threw the ball out and he he does that. He does that. And then maybe everyone around him, maybe that's the thing that they, they can't... They can't... They're not allowed to do that anymore. You have to just get on with it. You have to take advantage and, and just counter-attack if you can. Um, but yeah, I've seen that a couple of times this season where they've not allowed themselves to get bogged down by a bad decision or a bad a mistake by anyone. They've just gotten on with it. And it's sometimes it's actually led to a goal. So that's something that's really um, it's, it's something that's new as well in the team. Spot on, Ooms. Dave, our injury crisis, the crisis was upon us. It was panic stations and whatever shall we do with all of these terrible injuries that we've experienced? And, and James Milner did what James Milner does and goes and just and plays a different position. He slotted on it right back. Um, he got absolutely rinsed for the first goal, which, to be honest, I think to give him any criticism for that is difficult. And I think you're being very, very churlish if you do, because it's Wilfred Zaha. He's one of the quickest, most powerful attacking players in, in the league and he will do that to most fullbacks on his day um, but we got a bit going forward from him um, he creates the third goal although the keeper probably has more of a hand in creating it than he does but I looked at some stats which were interesting um, only Salah Firmino and Robertson have created more chances for the front three this season and only Shakiri and Salah have a better chance creation for the front three per minute on the pitch this season. How important do you think he is to this side moving forward? I honestly think if he had the legs, um, you know, he was seven, six, seven years younger, he he would be, uh, you know, he is already a key member of the squad, 
But, you know, if he had a bit more time on his side, imagine just how key he would be. And this is, if you run it through last season as well, Dave, as well, sure, he broke a record or something in the in the Champions League for assists in, in, within a season. That's and, right. Uh, and, you, you know, that this isn't something that's just come along this season. This is something that we've been get, we've been getting out of the lad, like, on, 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 a, on a permanent basis. And, you know, look, there's no doubting, absolutely no doubting that he had a torrid time against Saha. And, you know, it's one of those games where, Jordan Henderson really did provide great cover for him, um, and it's you know I'm I'm a great critic, a great critic of uh, Jordan Henderson. You know I, I don't have bad words to say about him in this particular game. I thought he was very very good. The pass that ended up getting Milner sent off, it was too hard for Firmino, too soft for um, for Milner. But he took a red card, and I'm glad he took a red card. It's it shows. <laughs> It shows a bit of bottle, if nothing else. You know what I mean? He, he took one for the team there. It, it, it was it's, something. Just, it's it's snide and it's professionalism that we've complained they, so often in the past that we don't. They, have. they call it dark arts, Dave. I've, I've heard right. it in the media. You know, being tied. Is it dark, dark arts art. if you get sent off though? <laughs> well, apparently <laughs> it's dark arts. At that stage but, of the game, rooms, I would say it is. You know, with, with where we were and what was happening at that stage of the game, rooms. Honestly, it was what needed to happen, and it's just one of those. You know, normally we can shout about a player being sent off and we don't like seeing our player. But and that, that's one of those send-offs. You go, ah, fair play to him. <laughs> you know, he, he took one for the team. It's not something you'll ever get angry with. I don't. I, I saw no no spite or anything on Twitter about it, even when it happened. Nobody jumping up and down. People are beginning to understand this is this is what you need to do to win leagues. And uh, we are, we're being touted at the minute. And the great line against Liverpool and, and winning the league this season is, oh, well, they don't have the wise heads and they don't have the experience. Well, I'm sorry, Jurgen Klopp won the Bundesliga, and, I, and I've seen that being almost rubbished by, by by the British media. You know that well, it's not the Premier League. I'm sorry, he knows what it takes to win the league. Football so, outside England doesn't count. Do you not, exactly, do you not know that? Exactly, and, and, it's, and it's, honestly, it's, it's a bit fucking disgusting to be. It's honest. only when it suits them. If Pep yeah. wins it with Barcelona, then it's fine. But not when Klopp's won it with Dortmund twice, beating Bayern, who are traditionally the better team. Well, well, you could argue Barcelona were better. You know, Real Madrid obviously have their players as well, but Barcelona at the time were probably the best anyway. No one else has. No one else in Germany has won that league since Klopp left. Yeah. Other than Bayern, the only the only team that's won that league since since Klopp's left. So that and, and it's, says and it's a similar kind of situation as well. He finds himself in. You know, Manchester City. We're told it's this juggernaut that can't be stopped and blah blah. It's very much like the Bayern Munich of of the Bundesliga, and and you know. Plucky contenders, Klopp's um, Bayern, or, or Dortmund, should I say, uh, against Bayern. And, and we're the plucky Liverpool side against this juggernaut of Man City. And I think I think that type of situation suits Klopp. I think his personality, his charisma, I think that, you know, not being the top man, always, tr- you know, being the chaser, I think that, or the hunter, if you will, I think that that's, that's a profile that, that fits Klopp very, very well, Dave. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think we, we talked about it a few weeks ago where City set a bar last season and also at the start of this season and I think they've pushed us to another level and Klopp's managed to get us to that level and I don't necessarily think that we're directly trying to match City this year I think we've probably sat down or Klopp's probably sat down with his staff at the start of the year and said we need to prepare for a 100 plus point season that's what we need to go and achieve. And if we achieve- and the, but, but the way that he's managed that, Dave, you know, obviously, you know, as week by week, we're accumulating points. We're, we're still there. We're four points clear at the top. You, you know, the games are, are, you know, we're getting to the working end of the season now. And, you know, he has kept everything in perspective perfectly media-wise. 
um, in my opinion, definitely 100% perfect media-wise. And I think we hit the 60 points there, and he was just like, wow, 60 points, what a number. You know, it was a very subtle thing, but he's, you know, finally, it, you know, this, well, we're playing the next game, the next game, and it's all about the next game. But that was the first chink that Klopp's sort of going, yeah, 60 points, great, isn't it? We're going for this. Yeah, it's funny you say that about um, about his experience of doing this before. I heard uh, Rafa Honigstein talking the other week where they, they were discussing um, Klopp's press conferences post-match, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and um, Honigstein was laughing to himself saying, I've heard it all before. I've heard Klopp trot all these lines out before about we'll take it one game at a time and we'll prepare for we'll prepare for the next game and the next game's the most important game and 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 he seems to to buy into the fact that although yes that he has played it perfectly from the media perspective that he genuinely and truly believes that that is the best way to go and win and that that transmits to his players as well so. Uh, we all know, but, but the message that he's sending here, Dave, it's so subtle. You know, he he's obviously, you know, the players will watch him in the media, and what he probably says in the media and what he says to them are words apart, and that that's fine. But you know, if you're a player watching that, and it was as a fan, you know, that's the first time he's acknowledged. You know, he acknowledged the mark sixty. Wow, quite a number, and it's the first signs that of that vision, that forward. You know, we are looking forward to this title. We can we can now look forward to running at this title. And I think it was really poignant. You know, I don't think there's anything that he says in a press conference that the primary motivation for that is for the players. We heard, I've heard him take a bit of stick about talking, I don't know whether you heard this, Umara, um, about the, um, about Camacho coming on for the last 30 seconds and making a tackle in the box. And, and, and Klopp had said to him that that could be the most important tackle of your career. What did What did you think of that? What did you think the... What did you think of the, the purpose of that was for for not just the player himself, but for the squad as well? Well, we all know that Klopp backs his players when then when he's needed to do it. So I think it's just his way of giving the guy a, a boost. You know, he's come on. It's, I think it's his first Premier League, isn't it? Because he played in the FA Cup. Um, but his first Premier League start. And I just think that's his way of kind of bigging up, for want of a better word, his, his player, his youngster, that he wants to give him the confidence that, what you did, even however small you might think it is, was huge. But I think that's just his way of instilling confidence in him. I don't think there's anything much more to read into that. I didn't. I don't actually know what the contro- controversy was surrounding it. I didn't really read much about it. But I can only I think, imagine that I that's think what people he was were doing. just. Yeah, I think people were just saying that wasn't that a bit of a silly thing to say. Well, not really. Like I said, I just think that's that's what Klopp's about. We, he always, whenever he speaks, it's always something positive about his players. I mean, even in those darkest times when players have messed up, for example, let me give our favourite example to give someone like Lovren. He's always still, you know, backed him, supported him, shown his players that he's still, he still believes in them. And I think this is just another way of him giving confidence to, to Camacho that, you know, like, like I said before, whatever it is you've done, it's it's huge in the grand scheme of things. You know, it's it, it doesn't, no matter how small a thing you do, it's important, and I don't think there's anything silly about that, to be honest. You realise what a sorry to interrupt, but you realise what a wonderful world that you're actually in whenever you see the likes of Sari at the weekend. <laughs> what he came off with about his players, and you just go, "Wow, I'm so happy we have Jurgen Klopp. We'll never have this shit." Oh, a hundred percent, and I think it, it goes to show um, 
it, it goes to show that the the value and importance of having that harmony within the squad and and everybody pulling in the same direction. And that Chelsea, that squad of Chelsea players have had that issue for quite a number of years now. I kind of put it down to because I hate him so much that that's the legacy that Mourinho has left there. Um, and I think you see it at Madrid. Um, I hope you'll see it at United, but who knows? Um, but on Klopp, um, I don't know. I might be reading too much into this, but but for me, that's acknowledging something small, but actually making out a, a huge contribution um, by that young man. And do you think that that's, that comment was to help him feel more a part of that first team squad and also for the squad to value that player a little bit more and help the integration of that player into that first team setup? Yeah, because <clears throat> I think going forward, you don't know how much you, he's going to need to rely on some of these youngsters. You just don't know with injuries. At the moment, we've got a few injuries. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and to show the, the senior players as well that you're not safe. <laughs> you know, you've got these youngsters coming in as well that, that if they do well, anything goes. So I think it's that's basically all it was. It was just to make him feel great about what he came on and what he did, no matter how small. So I think that's really important for just the the team spirit in general to to show the other players and and maybe give the other youngsters as well the 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 thought that you know this could be you as well you could have that chance you could have that opportunity and I think he's always um, been that kind of manager so I think I don't think it's anything surprising or anything anything strange about it at all I think it's just the way that he works with his players. The other thing I read into it because I read far too much in the most things was that it was maybe Klopp trying to emphasise how fine the margins are in this race that it could be something as small as that which is the deciding factor when we get down to the last day of the season but we'll wait and see um, Dave you touched on Henderson earlier on um, and I want I'd like both your opinions on this we saw Henderson Fabinho in the double pivot again um, now just for a little bit of context there are some stats that Henry Jackson kindly tweeted out, which I thought were really interesting. Fabinho, 94%, if I could speak, pass completion. Um, Six duels, won three key passes, two tackles. Henderson, 94% pass completion. 82 out of 110 passes were forward. Seven duels, won 10 ball recoveries. I like the look of those two, Dave, as, as that double pivot. The contrast each other very well they're a great foil for one another but what's your opinion on that and if you agree with me where does that leave Jeannie Wijnaldum well I don't agree with you which leaves Jeannie Wijnaldum in the starting lineup. that's right one but but they expand a little Dave look if Henderson pushes those numbers out week on week week on week absolutely no problem but he doesn't and we know that and he's very much a homer as well uh, in, in recent times. You know, I think stats look a whole lot better at Anfield than they certainly do away from Anfield. That criticism has been levelled squarely at Wijnaldum in the past as well. It was levelled at Wijnaldum basically whenever he wasn't, you know, it was it was last season thing. It's not been levelled at him this season. You know, he he was a homer and, and you know, he was, went missing in portions of games. I think he, that Wijnaldum is really, especially this season, uh, and certainly 2018 throughout the, the course of it uh, w- w- was a growing se- season, a growing year for him um, in stature around that club. Now, look, Henderson should captain, blah, blah, blah. As I say, David, on that particular game, 
against Crystal Palace, I have no complaints, and I am probably Jordan Henderson's worst critic, and I have no complaints. I thought he had a very, very good game. I thought he supported Milner very, very well at right back, exemplary. But, uh, you know, in doing that, I think that's maybe where we lost a little bit of our, our usual momentum, maybe, um, in the fact that we had that. You know, you, you called it actually um, after the last game. You said, you know, like Crystal Palace are a different proposition, um, albeit the wrong end of the table, but a different proposition because got pacey outlets and whatnot. And that proved to be the case. You were absolutely spot on on it. You, you, you look at that and you sort of go, if Trent's there, maybe, you know, he doesn't need as much protection uh, against uh, Zaha as, as Milner would have. And it comes back to those those legs again, those 31-year-old legs, Dave. Um, you can't expect miracles from him. Um, he's going to provide you a lot of good stuff. But, look, Henderson is an option. There's no doubt about it. And, and I say, if he continually, consistently puts out those, those, those types of numbers, I would be a fool to argue against him. But the fact of the matter is, he doesn't. And that is that's the horrible truth of it. He is maybe a one and three or one and four game player, in my opinion. But but if he was consistently played with Fabinho, then maybe he would consistently give well, out. Fabinho those. is that good, Amara? Yeah. I, I think like he hasn't. Dyke, he's sometimes he's he's tinkered with that midfield, hasn't mm-hmm. he? Sometimes Henderson's played, but, but, sometimes but think, he hasn't. Sometimes Fabinho hasn't. Sometimes he hasn't. So I, I think Fabinho will end up being a kind of a, a calming influence to the midfield, very much like what what we see with Virgil at the back. And you know, I, I think that. You know, long term, and, and I said this even before the before Fabinho actually got into the starting eleven as a fixture. I think he's very much our future, I, I, and very much as Van Dijk is the first name on the defence. I think going forward, for for certainly the bigger games, that Fabinho will be the first name on on in Klopp's midfield three. Um, I, I rate him really. Put it like this: he's been a surprise to me. He's better than I thought he would have been, and, and he's nowhere near his best yet. So he's a real. He's a handful. I just love him. Um, I really do as a player. And and if he brings the best out of Jordan Henderson, well, it's, it's a bullet that I'll bite quite happily. <laughs> okay. Um, so what did you think of Fabinho? Again, it's another... He has a lot of skills that Jordan Henderson doesn't have. And I think that... I think they complement each other... They complement each Reinforce other really well. Lots, Dave. Lots and lots. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I'm, I'm always going to sit and defend Jordan Henderson. I think, you know, last week it was 11 That's ball why I'm recoveries. Wind you up. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah, so last week it's 11 ball recoveries. This week it's 10 ball recoveries. And let's let's bear in mind that, let's bear in mind that in both those games we have in and around 75% possession of the ball. And he still got the ball back, you know, 10 plus times in both those games. So that's what he brings. And I think that having someone beside him gives him that security. And the same as Fabinho, having someone beside Fabinho, like Henderson, who can do that, allows him to to step forward higher into the midfield and play those those passes like the one we saw, um, like the one we saw to Mane against United, like the one we saw to Milner for the third goal. Do you think that, that system um, is is designed to get the best out of him because we've seen that he said previously, you know, he's used to playing in that double double pivot. Well, yeah, it clearly suits him because obviously Klopp's apparently this four two three one is for Fabinho. This is what I've heard anyway. I don't know how true it is, but that's what he's why how why he's playing it because obviously traditionally he we always used to play the four three three. But I think with the introduction of Fabinho, it clearly is what suits him the best, and it's clearly what's bringing out the best in himself. And 
whoever's alongside him, be that Henderson or be that Wijnaldum or whoever Klopp decides to choose against him. Because Henderson always has looked better with Fabinho. So, yes, that definitely is probably the way forward and and what what Klopp wants him to play and how how maybe, like I said, going forward, that that's how Liverpool are going to play from now on. Because I think Fabinho is looking like that player who is going to be quite integral to the team now. We've had... um, that spine of the team kind of is working really nicely. We've got obviously Van uh, Alison Van Dyke, and then you add him in there in the middle, um, and it's looking even better now. I mean, he cre- he creates as well. We've seen him uh, do um, some attacking work, as you just said, uh, creating some goals, and clearly he can defend as well. So it's just that team could possibly be built around him within the next few months, definitely next season. I think he's obviously still relatively new so he's going to be able he's going to be finding his way maybe Klopp's still going to figure out who's playing with him and all these kinds of things but definitely he's it's all designed for him and he does play best with the two in the midfield yeah definitely all right Dave a quick one on Kaida because he seems to be being talked to death at the minute but I kind of feel for him a little bit he's only played 90 minutes twice in the Premier League this season and I didn't realize that and one of those games was away to West Ham which was the first game of the season did you see an improvement on Saturday? Did you see him contribute a little bit more than you've seen in previous weeks? Honestly, no. I just think the kid's really struggling. Um, you know, I've seen, I've read bits and pieces it's about the language, which I find bizarre in this day and age that the club hasn't managed this. Uh, and certainly not a club as well run as ours seems to be at the moment, Dave, that, they, that this wasn't managed in the last year before he arrived even. Um then there's the train of thought that maybe it was managed and he just didn't bother himself too much about the English. And that is being the the the, the, the stumbling block, basically, of breaking into that team. But when he gets on, look, there's no doubt about it. There, there's there's moments that of, of like wonderful footwork. The guy has ability. There's, there's absolutely no question about it. But just at this moment in time, he can't string anything together. There's no consistency. There's no cohesion in his play. And he just looks to me like a lost sheep. Uh, I was hoping, you know, like we've talked about him here in the last few pods, Dave, and I, I'm saying, well, maybe March, maybe April, he'll kick into gear. There's a player in there. There's no doubt about it. They're an absolute superb player in there. Um, wonderfully talented, wonderfully gifted. But just at this moment in time, he's nowhere near it. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. If we're playing a game of, of, of a high start, like, for example, with Bayern Munich, would you start him? Fuck, he's far away from the starting lineup for me as, as, as ever. Yeah, it's um, it's just, yeah. I I don't think he's in our best eleven. I, I I at the minute, right now, I don't I don't think he is in our best eleven. Dave, so, I don't see him in our best fifteen or sixteen even, and that's 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 awful to say considering the hype that we had around this kid. You know, like we've had a year sitting on this guy. The difference he was going to make, we were going to fucking rip trees up and all. And and you know, and I said in the last pod as well with Johnny Henderson. Like, this kid doesn't know how blessed he is that he's gone under the radar until, what, what are we in, end of January, before people start questioning him. He, he's lived a blessed life, because normally, you know, at our club, you come in for that type of money, you don't perform. I mean, there's a burning spotlight on you. It's a strange one with him. I was running around in the summer like a kid at Christmas telling everybody that this this guy was a game changer, I think was the, was the terminology I was using, because I'd watched him at Leipzig after you know since we were first interested in him um and because the europe europa league was just generally loads of fun last year and i saw this do you know, do you know who, a big concern for me dave sorry to but i missed this out 
last season at Leipzig, he was not the player he was in their big successful season prior, the prior season. Um, no. Everybody, everybody thought that this was sort of like, you know, this is what the effect of the Liverpool move did to him. So I think then when the, the next point of that is when he arrives at Liverpool, we expect, you know, well, he's been waiting for this movie, he's going to explode. And I think that's the disconnect here. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment too. Um, and people were presuming that, you know, he'd gone a little bit off the boil because he was just waiting for his move. But in saying that, he's still a, sh- he's a shadow of even last season's Nabi Keita. Do you know what I mean? Never mind the season before. So, do you ever, you know, do you ever he, think we've been sold a pup? No, no, I don't personally, but I'm just... What, <laughs> just sold, a, sold a pig and a pug? Yeah. I don't think so. I think I've seen enough. I've seen enough to know that... that Listen, I've watched this guy pick the ball up and beat three, four players in the penalty area. But so am I, and he can't do it anymore, Dave. <laughs> yeah, but but that's not that's not something that you just stop being able to do. You know, that's a confidence issue. That's a, a system adjustment adjustment issue. I don't think he's had enough minutes in the pitch, as, as we've commented on. He's, he's played ninety minutes twice. He's only played was it eleven games? He's only he's actually only featured in eleven games this season. A few of those were were only minutes from you know a couple of la- minutes off the bench last few minutes. So yeah, unlucky with injuries need to be said as well, Dave. Yeah, and it's been very stop start for him. So listen, I think as Klopp would say, you know, Naby is not here for five months. Naby is here for five years. And well, let's be honest, we're only really starting to see the best of Paul Pogba now. And I know that's because of a managerial change, etc. But Paul Pogba looks. 20 times the player than he did three months ago and that was even when he was getting on the pitch so this guy as will all of so far would certainly in the last couple of years um liverpool signings i am certain will come good and it's do you, just do you know his native tongue? is it french is there is that is navigator's uh native tongue anybody know i I, I would so. pre- I would presume it's French, yeah. I would presume it's French. Yeah, that's a, that, that's an assumption on my part, but, mm-hmm. but then there's not a great and you know you even look along. He's from the, Guinea, isn't he? Yeah, you look along the backline staff. And there's not there's not anything sort of French. Uh, there's no French language people there. I think Manny's probably the only other one. So you yeah, know, maybe Manop may be able to speak French. But but you, you know where I'm coming from, so maybe Lovren speaks French. And I said at the very beginning about, you know, that language barrier and mm-hmm. he hasn't bothered himself to learn it or whatever way it's being reported. You know what I mean? Um, I think, you know, look, I move countries and, and like I know what it's like. It's not easy um, to deal with a different language. But if you'd have known you were going a year before and that kind of money with that kind of, you know, that kind of contract, that stature, you, you should be making an effort somewhere down the line, surely. Firmino I, I doesn't do. speak a word of English. That's it. So but again, he, but, but again, he 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 did have a network around him. He had, you know, he had that network, that little tight knit group of 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 him and Lucas and Coutinho and Moreno, and that seemed to get him by. And he's a very, Firmino has that sort of attitude where I suppose what I'm trying to say is. Firmino could integrate better based on just his general outlook in life and his well, general well, he, personality. Clearly, clearly, Firmino recently has been working very hard at the old English because he's starting to come out now uh, in the press and, and at least try English, which is which is really great. Yeah, we're um, talking this is, but this is, but this is four years down the line, Dave. But yeah, but there was that Latin, but that Latin influence was always strong from the Rogers days, as, as you rightly pointed out, and that yeah. was never going to be a problem. Now, you, you know, I remember seeing. 
back to our little videos again. Um, that uh, was it that Salah said about Manny being the, the lonely man of the squad and the isolated, mm. the, you know, the loner because he'd no company sort of thing. And and I'm just wondering, you know, he said with Naby Keita coming, obviously that was that was a big thing for 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 uh, Manny to have a friend, a proper friend sort of thing within the squad uh, and a bestie, so to speak. But um, I'm just wondering, you know, are, are they maybe detached from maybe the rest and and so on? Is is there a deeper sort of integrational problem? That's that's what I'm getting at. We look and consider a lot what happens on the pitch and maybe what happens in training and understanding. You know, the player understanding the system and is there a language barrier there and how is that affecting that? But it, it goes a lot deeper than that. It goes to, to integrating into the city, new lifestyle, new culture, etc., etc., etc. And I think there's been talk that, you know, obviously we've seen Gabby Jesus has been really off the boil since he came back for the from the World Cup. Um, and he, he's had a little bit of a purple patch recently. And people are suggesting that that's coincided with the fact that a lot of his family members have travelled over in the last few weeks. To me, if that is the case, that can show the impact that having a having a familiar surrounding can can have on your game. So it may it may just be that, and that may be what takes him time to feel comfortable in his own skin in a, in a new culture, in a new city, in a new club. So we're just going to have to wait and see and keep our fingers crossed. But I'm absolutely not writing him off yet. Okay, so Umara, I've been a lot of talk about about Salas dive and let's let's all be reasonable people here let's 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 call a spade a spade and call it for what it is it was a dive on on saturday but is it three penalties prior to that which people have suggested were dives which i don't think were sure he went down easy but um, i don't think he does anything that that harry kane or jimmy vardy haven't done you know a hundred times in the past do you feel there's a bit of a witch hunt starting to happen here um do you feel that he is getting treated maybe differently than the two aforementioned English players have been? I do, actually. Yeah, there has been a lot, especially that last week. I mean, that he there was an incident against Palace. He didn't do himself any favours. He went down quite easily, not much contact. So silly things like that don't help. But yeah, I do believe that there's a, a, a kind of, a, a like you said, a witch hunt in the media. Um, and then social media obviously blows things up a hundredfold doesn't it with people just commenting away on Salah being a diving cheat and it's just, it's a thing in, in the English media isn't it when even with their own players I mean obviously we're they don't like to crit- criticize their own players too much the English guys but there is a an, an, a thing with the English media where if someone's doing well that they want to put them down and I think that's what's happening with Liverpool they're doing well they're at top of the league they're holding off one of the best teams in the Premier League ever um, now what do we do to to rubbish everything they're doing? We have to do something now. So then they come up with these things where Salah, the, the, as you mentioned, the dives, uh, sorry, the the penalties before haven't been anything really. Uh, there's been nothing to complain about. They've all been penalties. But yeah, they, they've just turned it into something it isn't really. And it's amazing the power of media and social media now where people can start a conversation or a rumour or anything and it can just gain so much traction that it just becomes a thing where where it actually wasn't. We're also under a lot of scrutiny, an awful lot more scrutiny this season, Ums, than we ever yeah. have been in the last 10, I think. Yeah, and you know, for us, if, if Liverpool do hopefully go on to win this league, it's going to be obviously after an almost 30-year absence of not winning it, and it would be a huge achievement. And I think that's uncomfortable for a lot of 
maybe even neutrals, whereas City winning it isn't that bad. They've done it recently, so it's not that big of a deal for them. But for Liverpool to do it after so long is doesn't sit right with a lot of the lot of the fans. So now they're going they're going to have to. There have been suggestions that the, you know, we're cheating our way to the title and things stupid things like that. Really, really, there's nothing in it. But again, like I said, you, you can. We well, used to say some... the same about United. To be fair, you know what yeah, I mean. It was, it, it, it's right, fans, it? and it's not. <laughs> but that's it. It's just fans, and it's not something you get yourself too wound up about. You got. But the media we... can get involved, isn't it? The, the actual press um, can get involved only because for they just do it for clicks. They might not even believe half of it. They just do it just to get people but, to but, read read, you know, look, read things we, that they're writing. One, one thing about where we are at the minute is going to bring us an awful lot of. Johnny Come Lately fans, but it's also going to bring us an awful lot more haters. And everything that we do, every goal that we score, everything that we do is scrutinised that just that little bit harder because we're now at the top of the table. And with that scrutiny, because obviously comes the abuses that come. We're guilty of it ourselves. And 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 you just smile. And you know, I think Dave's perfect at it. You know, you just boil their piss. Mm. Now there is a little bit of a possibly a racist undertone. I mean, you know, all the the foreigner thing foreigners diving and all this kind of thing whereas it's okay for the English guys to do it I mean the one that Harry Kane did a couple of weeks ago he literally was it was like Tom Daly diving in the pool but his body was actually shaped like that but that was not made a big deal of at all but when Salah does it it's a huge a big deal and I do think there was a slight undertone of that maybe I don't know if you guys agree with me but I do think that that the foreigners get a little bit more of it than than Maybe the English guys do. That's just the thing, I think. Those pesky foreigners rooms bringing yeah. their bringing Bloody their Muslims coming in. Their, in. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, coming in air, winning who, the league. Who outnumber English players in the Premier League? Who outnumber them? Probably three to one in the Premier League, and they're the ones taking the flack. Like, yeah. I think the funny thing is taking our jobs. Well, ours? The, the, Sorry. The, <laughs> the funny. Don't the forget funny our women. Is, <laughs> The funny thing is, guys, this is this is a narrative that has that has been played and played and played like a broken record since the inception of the Premier League. And maybe at the beginning it was fair to say that. But you know, we're 25, 30 years down the line, and still they're they're throwing that stupid argument about um, this thing that seems to have stuck with them that they can't clearly understand and they can't have enough humility to say this is football in this country now regardless of what nationality you are which team you play for how experienced you are what league you came from this is not just football in England now but football right across the world and football, the globalisation of football has has brought us to this point where a lot of the behaviours in lots of leagues are all very similar. Even down to, you know, stupid things like you would never have seen a player in England putting their arms behind their back to try and avoid a, a handball in the box. But that's things that crop up in England now that you would never have seen before. You would have watched the game of in the Liga and you'd see it done, you know, 20 times a game. But as I say, this is the globalisation of football. And I think a lot of people are going to have to accept that that is now part of the game. And the way the rules have changed and the way that free kicks are now, you know, given far more easily than they, they were in the past means that 
inevitably penalties will be given for far less than they were in the past. So um, I think people VAR are VAR coming next season, aren't we? Yeah, we, 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 we supposedly do have VAR coming next season. And I think that, you know, none of those decisions that were made on, on Salah's four penalty decisions that we've talked about would have been overturned. And I'm including the, the last one, which he did go down too easily. Listen, it goes down easy. The problem with Salah is he's just not very good at doing it. He doesn't look great. Whereas Vardy, Vardy looks brilliant when he falls over. Um, Kane looks like half decent when he falls over, but you don't need to look at a couple of replays to know that he's these this this thing that apparently is anticipating the contact, which is a lot of bollocks as well. But yeah, I agree with you totally. Um, and they'll they'll continue with this narrative while he continues to do that. And see, to be honest, while he continues to get penalties for it, I really don't give a fuck. And while it winds people up while he does it, makes me even happier in the fact that it's happening. So. Look, just quickly before we before we go to Leicester, um, Dave, there's been some accounts posted, which I'm sure we're all fascinated by. Um, but Liverpool are expected to become the first club in the world to report an annual net profit of more than $100 million, which is £88.3 million. What do you think about that, Dave? Well, sure, we're told net spend doesn't count. <laughs> Yeah, you know, rival- beneath his. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. We're told net spend. It's it, look the Coutinho deal obviously is a major piece of business. Inwards for us. Well, now you consider- Sorry, I will. I will. I will just. I will just um, caveat this, Dave. I don't actually think that that includes the Coutinho deal. It does because it, it does. does it. Yeah. Because it's just not last year's annual accounts, in which case Coutinho was sold in. January, never mind. Sorry. Yes. Moving swiftly along, David. Um, yeah, sorry. It's, it's the, sorry, yes, I'm getting confused. It's the Champions no, League. The Champions look, League money, which won't be. Exactly. Look, regardless of, uh, of the highs and the whys and the what's and the where, we, we, as far as I'm concerned, we spent that money and more um, over the summer uh, with reinvestment. So, you know, to take that continued money, throw it off to the side um, as, as reinvestment a little bit more. But we've been doing some very good business um, selling on what we would probably class as dead wood, as, you know, things like that, or, or players beyond their, their, their time or never going to make it for us. And we've been selling those like, like you, you know, God, what's his name? It's Solanke. Uh, like there's a prime example, number one, of how to make money and where this goes. It's mad, that, it. isn't it? Uh, no, it, but Dave, Chelsea started this. City have followed suit, and now we've jumped on the bandwagon with it. And it's it's the modern way of running a football club as a business. And and the, we are in at that level. Now we have started doing this. Um, the likes of you, the Uniteds aren't doing it. Chelsea are doing it. I don't think Arsenal are doing Well, they've always had a pretty strong uh, youth policy anyway. But this is now a major part of, of your wheelings and dealings as a football club, as your day-to-day business as a football club, and it's how, how the game has actually changed. Um, you know, we, we look at some of the young players or, or the, 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 the bit, let's say, the less well-known names that we bring in um, every season. There's always a couple of them. And we may never never see them in red uh, in the first team, but they'll move on and, and they'll turn a profit for us. Um, there, there's no doubt about it. And, and then, you know, you look at... You look at the investment. I was in another group there the other day, you know, musing on what price it would be after the new contract to, to, to buy Andy Robertson office. Scary money we bought him for eight. 
Um, and you know, with Bocatino, what fifteen sold him for one hundred and forty-five? Bocatino, for eight and a half. Was it eight? I thought it was fifteen. We paid for him. There you go. It's even better. So you know, it's it's bonkers uh, that we're doing that. But it, it's a major part of of the game today. And it's a major part. And and I think that you know, we talk about the loyalty players have to clubs and so on. It's reaching the stage now where, where clubs are getting a bit ruthless themselves. If you're past your sell-by date, on you move. And if, if you know, it might be our last chance to get a profit out of you. You know, along the lines of Fernando Torres, Dale, you know, they thought they, what they got wasn't what they were getting uh, or what they ended up getting. Um, but it's, it's, a fun, it's a fascinating dynamic of the game now, Dave. It truly is. Um, and, 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 you know, when you started looking at the youth players coming in and, and, and that type of player, you're now sort of wondering to yourself, is this a sell on or a wonder is this really, you know, bought with the first team in mind? Because I think the way that they set these up now, it's, there's a whole there's a whole sub layer that just never existed before that seems to exist now. Yeah, it's, it's very much. And I think a lot, a lot of stuff that's happening, you know, off the pitch as well with with partnership deals and sponsorship deals. Um, you know, we were very, we very much looked at, at Manchester United's model with their noodle partners and crazy shit like this. Um, and I think the positive thing is you're you're seeing that reinvested onto the pitch, as you rightly said as well. Yeah, but that's the problem for them. They're not reinvesting it back into the game again. They're too focused. We have this balance across the board where we look after all the areas of the football club. Um, I think United's biggest fault at the minute is that they've they've been neglectful on the pitch. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Manchester United are a very well-run business, a very, very well-run business, whereas we are a very well-run football club. Not a football team, but a football club. And that goes from the grassroots right through to the um, the business and the commercial side of things and, and ended up on the pitch. So we're in great shape. So, Amara, on to Leicester then. Um, it's a nice 10-day break. Um, the guys are all out in Dubai having a, having a lovely time. Oxley Chamberlain, I think, is out there with them as well. So that'll provide a, a nice boost to the squad and, and not only the squad, but for him as well. There's suggestions that he could actually feature as early as as um, as Bayern Munich, which would be fantastic. He, he, may be, he may well be available for the last 10 games of the season. What a boost that would be for everybody around the club um, and, and no more so than the, the team itself. When they return, it's, it's Leicester City at home. Um, they seem to get good results against big sides. Um, they pose a, a very niche threat with, with Jamie Vardy. Um, and they're, they're strong and physical in midfield uh, with the likes of Ndidi and Mendy. But they showed against Wolves that they can be porous at the back. So how do you expect we'll go? And do you expect something similar to, to Palace? Do you expect the game to pan out that way? Or, or are we going to get back to our, our ruthless miserly sales at the back yeah I think well the Palace game was a as I mentioned before a kick up the arse so hopefully we're not going to perform like that again um, Leicester as you mentioned earlier had good back to back results they beat Chelsea and, and Man City back to back just before during Christmas so that was um, a good for them I think there was talk they're ninth in the table. Maybe I'm getting this wrong. There was talk of who is their manager Claude Puel, or is that not, not anymore? No, it is. You're right. 
It is, it is. Sorry, okay. You know, these managers move so. He's just not getting much love with the men at home. So I can understand maybe why he thought he was gone. Yeah, He's certainly not getting much love. Don't know who's where, but yeah, there was talk of him maybe getting sack over Christmas. Oh, sorry, over this um <laughs> this break, and we were hope worrying that um they would they wouldn't do it just before playing us because I think we the had dreaded that. new manager bounce. Yeah, yeah, we had that. Was it last season or the season before when they beat us three one um just after they sacked Ranieri? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, we, we're hoping that's not going to happen. Although, like I said, they're ninth in the table, pretty much whereabouts they should be. They've had a couple of poor results recently. I think the last win they had was against Everton on New Year's Day. So, it's one of those funny ones. They, they're they capable, but you just don't know with them. They're also capable of being thumped as well. And it just, I think it's basically in our hands. It depends on us how we play. If we play to our capabilities, I'm sure that we can beat them, um, no problem. We're going to have, uh, hopefully, Alexandran will be back because we've got a bit of a break and they're in Dubai having a nice, not a holiday, but, you know, they're getting some sunshine. Uh, so we should have, we, we've got good cover in midfield anyway. And hopefully, like I said, Alexander Arnold's back at right back. Uh, Gomez, is. have we got a, a, a time on him? Is, is he meant to be back by then? I don't know, but he's... He's close. He's close, anyway. yeah, very close. I think he might be on the bench or something, but probably Matip will be in defence. Um, and the rest pretty much picks itself. But I can't... I'm hoping that it's just going to be, like we were saying earlier, that the, the Palace game was a blip and just a little reminder that we need to concentrate. And Although Palace, you know, to be fair, they were, they're, they're a decent team going forward. They are a counter-attacking team. They've got some good players, so... It wasn't completely shameful, but yeah, conceding three at home, you know, shouldn't happen. But I'm hoping that against Leicester, we we're going to get back to it. Um, but they are, they like I said, they are capable. They they well, they've showed during the season that they can beat even the biggest teams. So we're just going to have to, and that's good actually. Maybe it will keep us from being a little bit more complacent. We're going to be on our guard, on our guard, and and hopefully just get the job done and be 100 percent concentrated during the whole 90 minutes and not mess it up yes well I think that we, could, we can only hope for that and we've had good form this season for it um, a team outside the top top six is yet to beat us Dave I think I had, a, I had a little look and I think the last three times we've come back from a from a break um, we've won the following match Klopp seems to like these breaks it's kind of like his, his mini winter break that he had in Germany and I think nobody is more experienced in, in using a, a period of time like this to his absolute advantage. So what do you expect to see from this team coming back reinvigorated from, from that training session and and obviously, you know, the the team bonding that goes along with it? I expect hell for Leicester. Um there was a little thing I don't I actually picked it up online. You did you didn't notice it on the T V. But uh if you hook around online you'll find it and it's Virgil van Dyke leaving the field to play after the four three Dave not a happy bunny conceding three goals. Uh, I don't think that team will be very happy conceding three goals the way that they did after the way they've run that whole season uh, up until that point. And I think you're going to see, I think that shipping the three goals is as good as a loss to the mentality. And I think that, that really we're going to see a reaction to that. And Leicester could be on a hiding here. Uh, I really do think that they could be on a hiding. You, you know, I think now is the time we've got bits of breaks between games as well. It's not the games are just coming hot and hard and fast. I think what you're going to find is his, his top 11 out for this one, without a doubt. 
Um, and you, you know, right now, as as we stand, you know, we're we're close to the start of the Champions League in the next few weeks coming up. And he he'll need to know what his best team is, and 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 I think it's that time of the season where he starts looking for that best eleven. From here to the end of the season is you know it's it's going to be a hell of a ride. And I say, and I'm not convinced there's not another four three or a three two somewhere down the line where we get a scare. I don't I'm not convinced that that those days are over, but I think they're going to be an oddity uh, rather than a normality. Yeah, I think you're right. That's not the form we've shown this season. I don't expect that to change overnight. So. Dave Van Dyke was fucking livid. I mean, livid. I'm sure he was. Livid. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I, th- I, I think he's probably looking at, at those records of most clean sheets in the season and least goals conceded in the season, saying, I want those records. You know, we, we all know he loves clean sheets. So, yeah, I, I can imagine that you're probably right. And, and if, if Klopp hasn't, which I'm sure he has, given the defence a kick up they are, he certainly will have. Um, and again, that's just one of the many leaders that we now have in that squad to help them bounce back and, and galvanise themselves after that experience. And we know that that team has the, the, the capability to bounce back from setbacks. And I know that wasn't a setback, but the, the, that defensive unit may well acknowledge that as a setback from their perspective. Do so, we know more about the Fabinho injury? I just remembered that one, actually. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I think I think if it was something serious, we'd probably have heard something by now. So I think no news is good news, personally. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, you know, the last thing that I wanted to touch on there was I know that we've had an, a bit of an injury issue recently, but every cloud and all that. So we have we've we've Trent back with Trent, hopefully back shortly. That'll be, you know, two, three, four weeks rest. Gomez will have had five or six weeks rest. So with these players being out injured. They're also inadvertently rested as well. Milner won't be playing for two and a half weeks. That's a rest that he of all people needs um, based on his age and, and certainly to couple that with the effort he puts puts in on the pitch. So once these players start to gradually um, come back to full fitness, they're going to be in better shape than the guys that, that have been fit, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, they're going to be fit, Dave, but it's the match sharpness that needs a bit. Like Joe Gomez will need a bit of time getting his match sharpness back again. Trent, maybe less so. Um, and then, you know, you're talking about the likes of an Oxford Chamberlain. My goodness, he's going to have to be brought back and very gently uh, when when that time comes. So, look, there's no doubt about it. For, for the likes of a Milner, yeah, I, I'm 100% on board with what you're saying. The, the guy, you don't not even deserve it. He's earned the rest, you know what I mean? And and if that's a benefit of, for us going in then to the Champions League, where, you know, he's clearly proven his worth, fair be it. All right. Grand. Well, listen, I think that'll do us. We're on the Leicester Wednesday night. And again, biggest game of the season so far. So it was all a little bit 2013-2014 for me on 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 Saturday there. So um, hopefully Wednesday night we can get back to the 2018-2019 the Reds. So up the 18-19 Reds. See us after Leicester. Leicester.